where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years. What if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. It's week 29 on my long stay on Fort Craig's List. I've been alone for so long, but haven't run into anybody else who likes the movies I like. There is one other settler. I'll call her Carla. I'm approaching her gently, hesitantly, but perhaps we will reach some sort of understanding about movies. Hi, guys. It's... uh, (laughs) It's Craig and Carla, and it's Craig's List, uh, episode 2900. 2900. <laughs> Does it feel like we've done 2900 of yep. these so far? Come on. Come on. Carla. Uh, we've only done 29 so far, and this is, uh, episode. Uh, 50 bajillion. It's episode 50 bajillion. I'm not sure how we're covering the numbering, but that's what episode it is. And this is uh, number 72 on Craig's list. We are covering the 1990 Best Picture winner, Kevin Costner's Dances with Wolves. Dances with Schmoves. Carlo, let's get right to it. What did you think of this movie? I didn't watch it. <sighs> I didn't watch one second of it. I somehow miraculously missed the entire viewing experience that you had in our house. <laughs> I wasn't here ever when you were watching it. Craig's listeners, we have a first. Carla has taken her first pass. Uh, if you listen to last episode, Psycho, you found that out. But uh, we are indeed delivering on that promise. Carla did not watch this week's movie. Not one little piece of it. You didn't see a second of nope. this movie. And you haven't seen this movie before. Nope. So this is not coming from a pre-existing uh, relationship with this movie. Nope. You're just refusing to engage. I don't want to watch it. That's what I decided. <laughs> but I like Kevin Costner enough, but it's just four hours. It's too long. Well, the version that played in theaters in 1990 is three hours, which is long enough to begin with. Yeah, it's too long. And I have a Blu-ray that I thought would give me the option of watching either the three-hour or the four-hour version. Mm-hmm. Not true. Uh, I put it in, and then I certainly have no idea of which scenes are elongated and which scenes are extra scenes or whatever. So I'm like, I guess I'm watching the four-hour version. So you would have tricked me. <laughs> and I did, yeah. So I watched uh, the full four-hour extravaganza that is uh, Dance with, Dances with Wolves. Um, Carla, uh, you do you... You don't think you've seen a second of this movie in your life, or you may have seen scenes from it? I think I've it? seen scenes from it. Just like on TV as it was playing in the background? Maybe, yeah. Okay. What do you think the uh, the story of Dances with Wolves is? I, If I had to guess, by the way, there's a dog barking incessantly across the street right now. They can't hear it. I can't hear it. I was just going to say it's appropriate. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> dogs are in the same sure. animal kingdom It's as like a lone wolves. wolf howling in the background. <laughs> As far as they know, we've uh, we've dropped that in just to add atmosphere. Um. Uh. What What was the question? <laughs> what What is the plot of Dances with? Wolves? I think the plot is that Kevin Costner is like 
like he's like in the army and okay. he's like being told we got to go seize native american land mm-hmm. we got to go kill the native american people okay and there's a battle but they don't say native americans no they say something more offensive i'm sure okay then there's a battle and he gets kidnapped by the chief oh, okay <laughs> and what's the chief's name um, Obi-Wan, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he gets taken to their camp and before you know it, like he's making friends with the native Americans What? and then he falls in love with a lady. Okay. Not unlike Pocahontas. She's like the, <laughs> with daughter a native of the woman. chief. Okay. And, um, she's got like, you know, cred, street cred, <laughs> street cred, prairie cred, <laughs> prairie they, cred. they called it. Yeah. And, uh, she's like a royal in this family Mm. and they hook up and her father's like, he's a nice guy, but no, he's a white, he's a whitey. Mm -hmm. And she's like, but I love him. And then, so they fall in love and Kevin Costner learns all the ways of the native American people. And then, uh, the white people come back and attack again. Oh, and they re kidnap <laughs> Kevin Costner. <laughs> he gets kidnapped back again. Okay. <laughs> he was, um, there was this whole other movie that you didn't get to see. It's another four hour movie where it's just about them. It's like, uh, the Martian when they have that, when they have to go back and like save their fallen soldier. Uh-huh. Right? Did you see the Martian? No. <laughs> but they <laughs> have this whole thing where they're like, we got to go back and get him. Okay. Because he's stuck on Mars. Yeah. Yeah. But it's Kevin Costner stuck okay. in the Native American camp. So they okay. go back and they get him. Uh, they kill all the Native Americans and Kevin Costner tries to tell them that they're wrong. White people, you're wrong for doing this. Mm-hmm. And the white people are like, you're a traitor. And they throw him in jail. And it ends with him being hanged. <laughs> <laughs> for treason. So they, they hang him for treason at the end. Okay. That's pretty right. Well, isn't it? some of the broad strokes <laughs> are right, but some of you miss some of the fine details. She wasn't there. the chief's daughter. She's not the chief's daughter. She's also a white woman. Oh. Uh, she's a white woman that has, uh, her family was slaughtered by another tribe when she was a child and she was adopted into the tribe. Oh. And, uh, she's played by Mary McDonald. I know what she's from. What's she from? Uh, Battlestar Galactica. She's totally the president from Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, and she plays Stands with a Fist. Of course uh, she is. Who is uh, Kevin Costner's love interest. Let me also ask you this. What do the following four Best Picture winners have in common? Gandhi, Dances with Wolves, Forrest Gump, Amadeus. Chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Please explain the connection. How was was chocolate involved in each of those movies? Box of chocolates, totally in Forrest Gump. Yeah. Uh, Gandhi. What's the what's the the Gandhi chocolate? Box of chocolates. (laughs) It's like, uh, let me give you this box of chocolates. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a piece, a a token of peace. Okay. And in Dance of the Wolves, it's the chocolate bean. It's the cocoa bean mm-hmm. that the Native Americans the are The Indians trading. are roasting cocoa beans, <laughs> yes. And in Amadeus? In Amadeus, he has this amazing symphony that he wrote about chocolate. <laughs> it's called Chocolate. And Salieri's like, like, I wrote a symphony about vanilla. <laughs> uh, no, no. They're all four hours long. They're all pretty long. <laughs> they all... Forrest Gump's probably the shortest of those, and that's like two a and a half hours. There's a ping pong tournament in all of them. Nope. What is it? The connection is all those movies, uh, 
are the uh, the title is uh, the main character of the movie. Oh, okay. And they're all about guys. Yeah, they're all about guys. Yeah, they're all they're all about men because men rule the rule rule the world rule 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 the world. <laughs> are you about to rap? <laughs> men rule the world. Rule the world. Rule the world. Men rule the world. Uh. <laughs> no, I just was, I was vomiting a little bit when I said it. <laughs> so you have Mohandas K. Gandhi, you have Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, you have the uh, fictional character Forrest Gump, and you have Dances with Wolves. I read Forrest Gump. Did you ever read it? The, you're not picking up on my thing, which is that Dances it's with Wolves is the good. name of Kevin Costner's character in the movie. Oh. Okay, I don't understand. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> That's his Native American name. His real name is Lieutenant John Dunbar, and he's renamed by... I knew it. I knew he was in the Army. <laughs> yes, you got that right. He's in the Army. Uh, when does it take place? Um, 1848. Yeah. Or later... No, yeah, it takes place during the seventy-eight. Takes place just as the Civil War is ending. That's the eighteen sixties, right? Yeah, that's the eighteen sixties. So eighteen sixty-eight. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure exactly what range of Why years. Why did you it ask covers. if you didn't want me to say? It takes place in the eighteen sixties. Yeah. Um. Okay. And then, <laughs> so what parts did I get wrong? Uh. Here's the plot. Dances with Wolves. Okay, I can't wait. Kevin Costner is a uh, lieutenant in the Union Army. I was right. Uh, actually, he may not be a lieutenant as the movie begins because I think he gets a, uh, a promotion. He's a uh, great opening sequence where he's on the uh, the surgery table and they're about to amputate his foot oh. because it's, uh, it's infected. And, and he's like, don't do that because then I can't dance with wolves. <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah. I'd only be able to sway with His wolves. character knows exactly what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want to hop with wolves. He wants to dance with wolves. <laughs> and uh, so he, the doctors leave for a second to take a drink because they've been just cutting off limbs all they're day. Exhausted. And they're exhausted. Yeah. And uh, so he uh, he puts on his boots really painfully. Like he has to bite down on a stick mm. uh, because uh, it's just impossible to get on these boots. And then he goes to the front where they've just been having this standoff with the, uh, the rebels for a while. And there's this big field in the middle. That's kind of a no man's land. And he takes a horse and kind of rides out into the middle of no man's land on a suicide mission, thinking of like, well, if they're already going to amputate my foot, I might, it might as well die. Right. And, uh, they, take a bunch of pot shots at him and i love socks i love to wear two socks not just one are you serious when you say two socks do you know do you know what two socks is no what's two socks two socks is the name of the wolf in the movie are you serious <laughs> you just had a real psychic moment there i'm telling you i'm intuitive i'm a highly sensitive person are you serious? Yeah, later he befriends a wolf and names him Two Socks. Exactly. <laughs> I'm a genius. You are insane. What is happening? I don't know. Uh, I'm telling you. You says he loves Two Socks. Yeah. <laughs> That's why he's like, if I can't have two socks on at all times, oh, I'm going to kill myself. Carla, this movie might have been your favorite of all time. Oh, you might have a thing. huge psychic connection to this so movie. so intuitive. I really am. 
so anyway, he goes on this suicide mission and uh, they don't kill him. And then his army is able to uh, sneak attack the other people and defeat them in battle. And then uh, when the general comes across Kevin Costner kind of lying on the battlefield still alive, He's like, get this man my best surgeon. <laughs> so uh, they fix his foot. They don't have to amputate it. And they give him uh, an assignment uh, to whatever fort he wants. And he decides he wants to go out to the frontier because he wants to see uh, where America ends out mm-hmm. there. Uh, and so uh, he is the lone soldier at this abandoned fort that's out there in the middle of nowhere uh, at the edge of uh, – the American uh, prairie and then uh, slowly but surely he meets the uh, the local Indians and befriends them and uh, eventually uh, falls in love with uh, stands with a fist who has been <laughs> serving as uh, the translator mm-hmm. and uh, he becomes one of them and then so there's no kidnapping involved mm. he willing Good. willingly joins uh, their tribe but then as the tri- the tribe realizes that the white people are coming to kind of take over their land and so they're abandoning their camp and moving to another camp but then he's got to go back to the fort and get his diary because he's been writing in his diary all along and drawing pictures of the wolves and uh the scenery and his uh and his true love and he can't leave without his diary he goes back and then suddenly the union army has showed up and, uh, and he's now in like Native American gear. He's got like a headdress on and everything. And they think he's an Indian. They, uh, they kill his horse. They shoot his horse, Cisco, who has been his loyal horse throughout the whole movie. Uh, and then they, they take him prisoner and then they realize he's the guy who was supposed to be at this fort all along. And, uh, and then his wolf, which he is kind of tamed, he's tamed this wolf. Uh, and now the, uh, two socks has become his buddy. Two socks is kind of hanging at the periphery of the camp. Like what's going on? They shoot and kill the wolf. Of course they do. Uh, <sighs> I'm glad I didn't see this. Yeah. <laughs> you, you won't like that. They killed the horse and the dog or the wolf that is. And, uh, but then his, uh, his Sioux friends come back and slaughter the, uh, the army and take him back. Uh, and then so the, but then the end of the movie is he realizes that he's going to, uh, attract unwanted attention for the uh, the tribe that have become his family and his friends. And so he and his bride uh, kind of head out elsewhere while the, the tribe goes to, to camp uh, mm. in another place. So that's the four-hour saga. really depressing. Saga of Dances with Glad Wolves. Glad I didn't watch it. <laughs> what did you watch instead? Well, here's the thing. I couldn't decide. It felt like a lot of pressure because you really set it up. Like, uh, Carla's going to watch her movie and then it feels like, well, it has to be in my top 10 or something. So I, it took me a few days. It felt like a lot of pressure. So then I was like, I'm just going to watch something totally random. So I started watching The Boss with Melissa McCarthy. Okay. <laughs> which you saw part of too, because you were sitting here when I watched it. And, uh, and then I realized that I didn't like it that much. Um, no offense to anyone who may have worked on that film. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we have a lot of listeners who were cast know. and crew on it's the boss. It's trickier yeah. to talk about movies that just recently came out than sure. it is that movies that are 20 and 30 and 40 years old. We don't know their place in the canon yet. Right. We don't know where the boss is going to end up eventually. Um. So then I tried to watch Tropic Thunder because that was on Netflix mm-hmm. and I just kept falling asleep. And then I tried to watch... And you thought it was too many dudes. It was so many guys. Um. Although it's real funny, that one part. 
can I say it? I'm going to spoil it. Sure. Where what's his face gets blown up. Steve Coogan. That's pretty funny. Yeah. That was I laughed funny. real hard, <laughs> but then I, it lost me after that. Um, then I tried to watch life aquatic with Steve Zissou, uh-huh. which I saw in the theater two or three times when it came out and I loved it for some reason. I just couldn't get into it. I don't know if it's just my mood or what. It was kind of late at night too. Yeah, it was late at night. You were a little tired. So I was going to give up and just say, F it. I don't care. It's not like the rules are that I have to watch a movie. Because it would be nice. Well, but that's not the rules, Craig. The rules are I get to pick three movies that I don't watch. That's it. Period. So you Is this added written all down? this. Is this written down? You added all of these like other things to it after I said that. Okay. So that's what I decided. Well, then I'm not going to watch anything. And then last night you left and I was looking through Netflix <laughs> and all of a sudden I saw Blazing Saddles <laughs> was streaming on Netflix and I was just like, I'm a genius. This is the perfect movie to watch instead of Dances with Wolves. Okay. And I watched the shit out of it. I okay. watched the whole thing. You watched all of Blazing Saddles. Yeah. Which is about an hour and a half. Yep. Perfect time <laughs> okay. for Carla. So they're both kind of revisionist takes on the Western. Yes. I mean, come on, you guys. Everybody can tweet at how much of a genius I am. Like, this is a perfect one to watch because I had never seen it before. Okay. So it's still me watching a classic that I had never seen that you have seen but is not in your top 100. Yeah. And and it's a Western. <laughs> it's, it's a comedy that makes fun of Westerns. Yeah. It takes place in Western times. Sure. It does. Uh, so Blazing Saddles is a 1975 comedy uh, written and directed by Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. And uh, what did you know about uh, Blazing Saddles going into this movie? I didn't know much. I knew that Madeline Kahn was in it because mm-hmm. I love her. So I knew that. And then I I knew that it had something to do with race, but I had no idea what I was getting into. <laughs> it's got a lot, a lot to do with race. Uh, yeah. Yes. I thought it was more comedy than race, racial satire. Uh-huh. Is that the way to say that? Sure. Um, if so- you're trying to say racial satire, yes. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah. So they say the N word about 15 times. They say, they say the N word within the first three minutes of the movie. Sure. And so that really threw me for a loop. They say the F word, the F A G G O T word. (laughs) Yes. About five minutes into the movie. Referring to bundles of sticks? Yes. No. Uh, so it was, um, I was really confused. Uh-huh. And I was like, whoa, Mel Brooks. Whoa. And then there was a rape joke. Sure. Uh, it was tough, but ultimately worth it. I really liked it. <laughs> I totally understand why it's a classic and I'm so glad I watched it. <laughs> and it kind of was great because it did all the good satire things for me, which it made me laugh, but it made me think. And it also still felt relevant, which kind of made me sad. It made me sad that it was still relevant. Yeah. It's, I think, uh, first of all, I, I did not really grow up with Blazing Saddles, although it's totally like my era. I feel like I had a lot of friends who loved that movie growing up, but for some reason I had never like watched the uncut version until maybe about 10 years ago. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I can't say that I know it that well. I love Young Frankenstein. That's my favorite Mel Brooks mm-hmm. movie. It's not in the top 100, but it's, it's very close to making it. I just think it's one of the funniest movies ever made. I'm a huge Gene Wilder fan, mm-hmm. and he it's one of my favorite performances uh, of his. And it totally recreates the 
the exact look and tone of an old universal black and white horror movie from the thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, now blazing saddles is supposed to look more like a, uh, like a cinemascope Western, you know, right. from the fifties, early sixties. That's kind of the look of that, but it's, it's much less about the, uh, the genre parody than just kind of, uh, you know, a kitchen sink. Mel Brooks joke fest right. with a lot, you know, because it's about a black sheriff played by Cleavon Little. Who's great. He's great. I can't believe I've never seen him in anything else. Yeah. I don't know that he made a lot of movies. Yeah. He worked a lot in television, but he died in 1992. He's been gone for oh, a while. Wow. I didn't know that he died He's that young. He's yeah. so wonderful. Yeah. And I didn't know he was the main character. It's a very strange movie, the structure of it. Yeah. Because the first part is all about him and his friend getting stuck in quicksand. Yes. And so you think that the main characters are the white guys who are bossing them around and being crazy and horrible. Yeah. Then it shifts to, what's his name from the Carol Burnett show? Harvey Corman. Yeah. As um, Headley, Headley Lamar. And then, yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh, he's the main character. And then you follow him for a while. And then you go back to... The sheriff. What's his name again? Cleavon Little is the actor. And then all of a sudden, Gene Wilder shows up 40 minutes into the movie. And you're uh-huh. like, oh, Gene Wilder's in this. I yeah. forgot. And then it's kind of a buddy comedy with the two of them. Yeah. And it's, and I, man, there were so many times when I was like, oh, man, this is not going to be cool. Like, this is going to be all the bad stuff about, you know, they're going to do this wrong. <laughs> Meaning, like, I thought for sure Gene Wilder was going to save the day. Because they set him up as this character who's like, you know, that, that trope in Westerns, he's like really fast with his gun or whatever. Sure. He can kill people real fast and whatever. He's always going to win. So I thought, oh, they're going to set this up so Gene Wilder saves the day. But they didn't. It was, there's one moment where he does that. But overall, it's, um, the sheriff who saves everyone. Yeah. Saves all the white people. Um, helps out everybody. He's so great. It's such a good movie. I really liked it. Really good. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, so it's not a white savior movie. It's not a white savior movie. Um, which I was like, oh man, as soon as Gene Wilder showed up, I was like, I love you, Gene Wilder, but this is going to be bad. Now, Dances with Wolves, when it came out, 1990, won seven Oscars. Like it was the, it was the film of the year, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was very well received at the time and it was considered to be, such a huge advancement in the depiction of Native Americans uh, on the big screen and mm-hmm. kind of like righting the wrongs of all the historical racism of uh, of Westerns in particular in that it really gets into like the internal life uh, of this tribe and makes them feel like people. Uh, and you'd be hard pressed to find that many big Hollywood Westerns where there's that many like Native Americans with actual names and differences in internal lives. And there's like so many good actors in it playing the, uh, the Native Americans in mm-hmm. it. Um, now I think over the years it's kind of lost its reputation, uh, partially because it beat out Goodfellas for the best picture mm. Oscar that year. And I think, uh, that movie is kind of like just grown in reputation while Dances with Wolves has kind of plummeted. And I think in light of, uh, more 
racial sensitivity since then that Dances with Wolves has kind of been cast in the light of a white savior mm-hmm. picture where you can't uh, appreciate the plight uh, of this minority uh, other than through the the eyes of a white guy who's the lead. Right, right. Uh, and I, I think that's a valid criticism to a certain extent. Um, and I read a uh, an article by this um, political journalist, not a film critic, who was kind of lumping together 10 different white savior pictures. And some of, some of his criticisms against Dance with Wolves uh, actually are not borne out by the plot. Uh, because he kind of claimed that Kevin Costner like saves the tribe and he doesn't like they, uh, save him. they save him. And then there's also moments where he's kind of shocked by their brutality. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, the tribe that he hooks up with is the Lakota Sioux and uh, their enemies are the Pawnee. Um, now the Pawnee are kind of depicted as more, uh, savage and bad guys in this movie so there is kind of like there's not a lot of uh subtlety mm-hmm. uh to that and i guess one of the criticisms among native american tribes was that, that it was the reverse that the sioux were more brutal and the pawnee were more peaceful mm-hmm. um apparently also the language that they uh, probably half of the movie is just in the lakota sioux dialect Mm -hmm. with subtitles so uh there's i would have hated that (laughs) there's probably two hours with very little uh english spoken uh in the movie uh but apparently that particular language has both a male version and a female version and uh the characters in the movie were only speaking the female version which i guess that native americans uh who knew the language that was hilarious Hmm. (laughs) that they were that men were talking like women (laughs) In the movie, but these are, these are nitpicky things. I think it really does. It's a very, um, heartfelt and generous portrayal, uh, of these people. And it's kind of representing the, the end, uh, of their era and, uh, of white men kind of ravaging, uh, the, the country. And so the, the wolf kind of representing the, the frontier nature you know and man's connection to nature and so although it's awful that the wolf gets killed it is kind of representative of the you know the message of the movie it is sad though yeah it makes me feel bad <clears throat> I, who knew that i would have said two socks <laughs> that is crazy genius. i can't believe i said i'm a genius five times in this podcast <laughs> Gee- <laughs> Yeah. In the last Self, half hour, I self-fulfilling said, prophecy. I'm a genius at least five times. Well, can I talk about some more of Blazing Saddles? Please, please do. By um, the way, for you listeners who are like, we're not going to get into Carlos quotes. I actually do have some Carlos quotes. For what? Uh, we'll get into that later. Okay. Um. So there's this great joke where <laughs> Harvey Corman keeps talking to this guy who's like hanging prisoners out back yeah well he's like a medieval executioner yeah. right he's like a medieval ex- <laughs> yeah and he keeps talking to him and every time he talks to the window at him they show the the executioner and there's this guy sit in a wheelchair that he's hanging the first one's a wheelchair yes. the second one is a horse <laughs> well it's a guy sitting on a horse yeah <laughs> but they didn't have a third one <laughs> rule of threes mel brooks unless i missed it uh <clears throat> Well, I guess there's the big hang where they're going to hang uh, Cleavon Little, right? And he gets rescued oh, at the last yeah. minute. Maybe that's, that's kind it. of the payoff to that. Okay. Um, but I really liked that joke. Uh-huh. And then I really liked, 
um, when uh, they first attack the vill- the the town or whatever, and they show like people fighting, and there's this guy who's getting drug across town yeah. in the dirt, and he's he's wearing a nice suit, and he says, "Well, that's the end of this suit," which is so funny. <laughs> and then this is the best. Then they cut to this old lady getting punched in the stomach. <laughs> She looks at the camera and she says, have you ever seen such cruelty? And then they go back to punching her in the stomach again. <laughs> Why is that so funny to you? <laughs> it was so funny. Uh, I watched just a little bit of this uh, of it this morning just to reacquaint myself with it because I don't know it that well. But, uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of good jokes in it. I there's- love the... Uh, <laughs> Don't you understand that this man is a nip? And then he realizes he has his arm around uh, Cleavon Little. And he yeah. goes back and grabs uh, Harvey Corman and he's like, "Don't you understand? This man is a nip." Yeah, <laughs> it's so dumb. It is so dumb. Uh, but uh, Mel Brooks is just brilliant at the uh, the smart dumb joke. Also, Mel Brooks being cross-eyed is just really funny. <laughs> yeah, and he has um. What are those paddle ball things called? Paddle balls. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to pay everybody with paddle balls. Yeah. And he can't get his to work. And then Harvey Corman shows him how to make it work. That's funny. But you know what I don't like, Mel Brooks? Why do you always have to have a scene where you're off having sex with a big boobed lady? <laughs> Why is that in every Mel Brooks movie that Look, he, where he's, he's the guy? Like that happens in Spaceballs too. Sure. <laughs> well, when you work hard, uh, you know, you've, you've come up through the ranks of comedy, you know, uh, starting as a writer on your show of shows. And, you know, when you've earned the right to write and direct your own Hollywood pictures, you get to put yourself in the scene with a big boobed lady. Stupid. That was irritating. That's his right as a man, Carla. Whatever. Men rule the world. <laughs> men, men, men rule the world. <laughs> but, uh, certainly Gene Wilder and, uh, Madeline Kahn are two of the greatest oh my God, co- comic actors of all so time. They're the best. They're just yeah. the best, best. And she's kind of doing that. Gene Wilder comes on screen in that movie. You're like, just in love. <laughs> yeah. I'm he's like, a ray of, love. he's a ray of light. He's so wonderful. And then she's great and everything. We got to go see what's up doc. You've never seen that. I've never seen that. And yeah. She's so good in that. It was just playing somewhere. There's a whole, uh, she has a whole song, which is like a parody of Marlena Dietrich, right? Yeah. Is her whole character like a Marlena Dietrich parody? I don't know. Parody? I don't know Marlena Dietrich that well to know. Yeah. But I felt like it was an old timey actress yeah. parody. Uh, uh, I'm tired, right? Is her song? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so funny. And then she's supposed to kill him, the sheriff, and she ends up falling in love with him because he has a giant penis. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's pretty similar to the same joke in Young Frankenstein, <laughs> where Frank, where the monster has a big dick too. So Mel Brooks kind of paints with a limited palette, I'd say, but he's got some vibrant colors there. Yeah. I think if you're a, a 22 year old who's used to like the political correctness of comedy now, it's tough. You know, it's, uh, it, this might be shocking to you, like what the standard was in 1975, but this would have been considered like the most progressive right. thing you could possibly put on a screen it in still 1975. Feels, I mean, after, and I was thinking about it this morning too, it does feel progressive to me still, which is why I was so impressed with it. It would never get made now. Nobody would want to say those words on screen. Yeah. 
Um, but it does, it still feels so relevant. And that's what, because we listen, you guys should listen to this out there. Malcolm Gladwell has a podcast and he did this, um, podcast on satire. Yeah. And is satire today still relevant or does it, uh, actually convince people? Like, do people get it? Do people get that it's satirical or do they think that it's the truth? And they kind of get into Archie Bunker, yeah, with, who Norman Fell meant as a uh, a criticism of those attitudes, and uh, he ended up getting adopted by a huge segment of America as a right. role model, right? That people just didn't get the satire of All in the Family, and also Colbert. Um, they did a study, and people conservatives watching Colbert thought that he was on their side. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where liberals thought the opposite, which just seemed absurd to me because it seems so clear to me that Colbert is making fun of yeah. the the far right. But anyways, I think if you watch this movie now, Blazing Saddles, you totally get this the satirical elements of it. Because it's so over the top. It's so over the top, but it still feels so relevant. And so I would say, therefore, it is one of the best satires I've seen. All right. And I, I could be wrong. Maybe I'm being um ignorant by saying so but i should probably do some research and find out if black people find it completely offensive <laughs> now well I, richard pryor was one of the screenwriters right on it yeah and i think he was brought in specifically to like punch it up and make it feel like palatable and authentic yeah. to black audiences and to and to make it edgier mm-hmm. <laughs> too i mean white people do not come off looking good in it at all with the exception of Gene Wilder. Sure. As like his friend. Um, I don't know. It's great. But it is strange at the end. It's like they felt like, I don't know, when it goes into the movie studio. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't remember that. So there's the fight in the town and then all of a sudden the camera pans up and they're at Warner Brothers studio lot. And the fight breaks out into this other studio oh, where they're, yeah, where they're yeah, filming yeah, yeah. a musical number. And then they yes. go to the cafeteria. <laughs> Uh, on the lot is so weird. I didn't understand that part, but I think, uh, I remember people talking about kids talking about blazing saddles in school when I was probably in like in fourth and fifth grade and particularly the fart scene, the farting around the campfire oh, scene right. and how it was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> I think to, the, to this day <laughs> you did. You love farts. I do. Uh, you were just on the fleece Navi pod podcast talking about how much you love farts. Farts are so funny. Don't listen to it cause I sing on it and it's real bad. <laughs> uh, but I think. I think I first saw Blazing Saddles when it was on network TV, which meant that everything was, you know, scenes were cut and like the farts are just replaced with like horse whinnies, which completely takes the, the point out of that scene. Right. And so none of the profanity, uh, is in there. Oh yeah. Either. Uh, and, yeah. So, uh, I, I don't think I came across the real version of this till much later two in life. thoughts real quick do listen to fleece Navi pod i made it sound like i said don't but do because that's a great podcast yes but just know that i sing and sound terrible second thought to what you were just saying which is Farts what a funny. crime for them to edit this because it's it should be taken seriously as a satire <laughs> like it's yes. addressing real issues and how terrible for them to go through and clean it up and just make it a comedy. Well, that that's what happened. I mean, that even before this is before like home video was mm-hmm. like a real thing. You know, I'm old enough to remember when you know you either watched a movie uh, 
at the movie theater or that movies would come back more frequently. Like they show Star Wars in the theater again, like two years after it had run, Mm -hmm. you know, like movies would get more of a re-release. And then you watch it on network TV. Hmm. And some movies you just never saw again. <laughs> like there were movies right. that were like buried for years that the the studios had never re-released them until they came out on home video. And a lot of movies have been rediscovered uh, because of that. Uh, and so if you didn't have a print of Blazing Saddles, uh, you you had to watch it on network TV where everything was sanitized because it was for a broad audience. Yeah, that's terrible. I would have been so mad if I were Mel Brooks. Yeah. Uh, the movie The Jerk. Uh, he's got a dog named Shithead, in it. <laughs> yeah. and uh, I, I think I saw that on home video first, but then saw it on network TV. And uh, and first of all, it's it's like a uh, I think it's like a horrible Chinese stereotype character that's, that's saying this. He's like, Mister, you don't call that, dog. or you don't have to do the impersonation. <laughs> yeah, <but> it's okay. He's <laughs> like, you call him stupid, uh... <laughs> so they change Shithead to stupid uh, for the network broadcast. Well. Dances with Wolves also has a farting around the campfire scene. Are you serious? It sure does. Uh, For real? Yeah. Well, at the beginning of the movie, uh, he's got a mule driver who's kind of his accompaniment out to the prairie, and he's played by Robert Pastorelli, who's uh, Murphy Brown's house painter mm-hmm. <laughs> from that show. Uh, and he's uh, he's great in it. There's a lot of great actors in small parts uh, in Dances with Wolves. And uh, while Costner is kind of uh, plaintively like writing in his diary and trying to like just enjoy the wilderness, he's got uh, this really obnoxious guy uh, who Kevin Costner says he's quite possibly the foulest man I have ever met. Yeah. Uh, and he starts farting around the campfire. I don't know if that was specifically an homage to Blazing Saddles or just a coincidence because they did eat a lot of beans back Weird. then. Uh there's also a great, great scene early on with Maury Chaikin, uh, who is the guy who plays the, uh, the motel owner from, uh, Sweet Hereafter. Uh-huh. Uh, and he's an insane general who's the guy who's sending, uh, Costner, uh, out onto the prairie. And, uh, it, it's just one of the best performances in a single scene that I've ever seen, uh, in a movie. He's so good and he just makes an indelible impression. And he keeps calling him Sir Knight. And as Costner leaves, he's like, Sir Knight, I have just pissed in my pants. And there's nothing that anyone can do about it. What? And then he he shoots himself in the head and kills himself. What? Yeah. It's it's great. It's (laughs) like he loses his mind. Yeah. Because he's gone insane. It's just the insanity of war, Carla. The, uh, this is who Kevin Costner's replacing on the prairie? No, this is the guy, this is the general who's sending him to his uh, assignment, oh. uh, at the beginning I'm of the movie. I'm curious, what were they thinking Kevin Costner would do all by himself in that cabin on the prairie? Well, here's one thing that the four hour version shows that the three hour doesn't, that there were, there was a group of men out there in this fort, and I guess they've been attacked by the Indians and they're losing morale, and so they decide to abandon the fort. So he thinks he's joining an existing fort. Uh. But he knows it's like out there. It's like the last outpost for the army uh, out there. And so he's bringing provisions. So he ends up having provisions for for a whole troop that, that's just for him. Oh, wow. I see. Uh, and so uh, 
there's a, about the first hour is just him kind of like alone at this fort, gradually, uh, earning the trust of this wolf, gradually earning the trust, uh, of the Lakota Sioux. Uh, Graham Greene, uh, Native American actor was nominated for best supporting actor for this movie and he plays, uh, Kicking Bird, who is the holy man of the tribe and they're mm-hmm. kind of the two who like first make friends. And so there's a famous scene, uh, where uh they the Kevin Costner learns the word for buffalo is tatanka. Mm-hmm. So like that's the first uh words that they exchange, buffalo and tatanka. Hmm. And there's a big uh buffalo hunt scene that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you if you were watching this movie, uh you would be making fun of Mary McDonald's hair. I know because I've seen pictures of it. She looks crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and his hair is very 1990 as well. Of just like their hair is just kind of like uh, they look like they're in a poison video. Like <laughs> it's so 1990 and so not. You know what? I almost for real watched last night when I was going through Netflix because right next to Blazing Saddles, like maybe two or three videos over was robin hood prince of thieves uh-huh. i almost watched it okay but i don't think it's gonna be very good so i couldn't bring myself to watch it i have a feeling alan rickman's in it though he yeah well he I makes everything alan better rickman. yeah he's great in it yeah well he's the sheriff of nottingham right mm-hmm. yeah uh another thing that people have made fun of of dance with wolves over the years how flat kevin costner's narration was which I tried to convey in the opening, but I can't, uh, I have so much personality and charisma (laughs) (laughs) that I can't make my voice that flat. Why did people start to bag on Kevin Costner so hard? He was the biggest deal for a while. I mean, he was the biggest movie star in America and he had just like this run of stuff of like untouchables, no way out, Bull Durham, Field of Dreams, Dances with Wolves, Robin Hood, Hood, the bodyguard, like, uh, I think his uh his role is kind of like America's leading man kind of got usurped by Tom Hanks somewhere in the early nineties, mm-hmm. I think. And Tom mm-hmm. Hanks is just a better actor, period. Right. I think Kevin Costner's range is a lot more limited, but I think he's a good movie star. Yeah. You know? I wanna yeah. I, I enjoyed him in the... Hidden Figures. Oh yeah, I did too. A little bit of a white savior thing going on with the <laughs> well, bathroom sign that definitely. He punches down yeah but now that he's kind of settling into middle age i think he's you know uh probably play some interesting character actor roles i hope so but his, his narration in this movie is like a lone wolf comes calling on the prairie if he comes again tomorrow i will call him two socks i'm so glad i didn't watch this one i feel i stand behind my decision 100 percent you know, uh, when we were saying that we were doing this one, Hal Lublin said that he'd seen this several times in the movie theater. Dances right? with Wolves? Is that who said that? I'm trying to remember. I think he might have, yeah. Hi, Hal. Hi, Hal. If you're listening. Well, I definitely saw it when it came out in 1990. But he said it was like several times he saw it. So he saw this four-hour movie like three times. Well, three hours, three hours. Whatever. That's still a lot of time. Yeah. I definitely saw it probably twice on the big screen when it came out. And I was surprised watching it again how much I remembered. Like Mm. there, there are moments that I remembered verbatim. Mm. So I must have seen this a fair amount of times. Now in the last 15 years, I've probably seen it twice Mm -hmm. to rewatch it for the list. And I think when I watched it, like when I redid the list about eight years ago and I rewatched it, I think I rewatched it expecting to take it off. 
And I didn't. I kept it. Kept Are you going to keep it this time? Kept it at number 72. <sighs> I think it's borderline. I think it's – I almost want to defend this movie because I feel like its reputation has slid – Mm-hmm. over the years mm-hmm. and i feel like it's not as bad as people think it would be okay it's actually a, a quite beautiful movie a quiet beautiful movie it's quiet and beautiful <laughs> well the it won for best cinematography the scenery is just fantastic it was all shot on location in wyoming and south dakota uh, which is where, you know, the, the story is set and it's just beautiful. And there's a lot of, you know, just shots of prairies with setting sun, you know, mm-hmm. and flares on the lens and stuff like that. And so it's, uh, a gorgeous movie. And then the score is by John Barry and it also won for best score. And, uh, the the music is great. Like the main theme is uh So it just feels like, you know, wagons rolling over the prairie. It just kind of like conveys that that tone really well. So uh as as filmmaking, it's great. And he's only directed two other movies since then. He won Best Director for this. He was nominated for Best Actor. Uh his next movie was The Postman. Aww. Which just got ravaged. Poor kid. And I think the postman is not as bad <laughs> as it rep, as its reputation would suggest, but, uh, but it's kind of bad. Uh, but it's a, it's another three hour movie, if I recall. Bleh. No, thank Kind of you. set in, uh, post apocalyptic West. And that he did another Western, uh, open range with, uh, Nat Benning and Robert Duvall. That's a pretty good movie too. So he also did, um, the Hatfield and McCoys, but he didn't direct it, but he was in it, right? Yeah, and he played Wyatt Earp. Kevin Costner loves the West. Now you you think you are a Hatfield and or a McCoy? Yeah. What are you? I think I'm a Hatfield. Okay. <laughs> I am a Hatfield. How do you like know? This. Has it definitively been traced back? Yeah, because my family is uh you know hill people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a third cousin, fourth cousin, or something to Hatfields. Okay. I am. Yeah, I believe you. I know. I know you are. Uh, <laughs> I did imagine while watching this movie that there were several times you would say how much longer and come on, get to it. Yeah. So those are just kind of catch all. I mean, that's Carlos. I feel just listening to you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you like other movies that it's similar to that. I also like, uh, it's got some similarities to Castaway. To mm-hmm. All is Lost, the movie with mm-hmm. uh, Robert Redford on a, on a boat by himself either. and Into the Wild. So like the mm-hmm. idea of just like a, a lone guy like out there fighting the elements. Fievel Goes West. Is Fievel, I haven't seen Fievel Goes West, so I'm not going to reject that uh, outright. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, there's a lot of that of just mm-hmm. Fievel by yeah. himself just going west. Fievel's going west. Or an American tale even. <laughs> He's got to figure things out for himself. Uh, also at one point when, uh, he's trying to communicate with the, with the Sioux, uh, they say, uh, they, they say what sounds a lot like Makuchi at one point, And I knew that you were going to laugh at that <laughs> as well. It sounds like they're talking about Kate Makuchi. Um, and then, uh, he, 
Kicking, <laughs> Kicking Bird comes to visit him one day at the fort. And at this point, he has uh, been able to hand feed two socks. And two socks kind of, kind of becomes his buddy and, and starts to like play with him and is nipping at his heels and everything. And Kevin Costner trying to shake him away. And so that's how he gets the name, Dances with Wolves. Ugh, okay, let's not talk about the sad wolf anymore. <laughs> And this wolf, uh, there are apparently two wolves that played two socks in the movie and they must be like dog wolf hybrids, Mm -hmm. you know, that are, that are trained because clearly like they're, they're doing actions and like interacting with Kevin Costner in the movie and they're, they're just fantastic. A lot of, a lot of personality. I think they are, I think they're hybrids. Mm. Uh, I mean, they they look, they look like wolves Mm -hmm. and they're behaving like dogs. Crazy. So. So sometimes wolves don't eat dogs. They just mate with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They can do that. Uh, well, let's get into some Carla's quotes. She's feeling her oats and Greg's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's quotes. I'm, I'm so curious as to what you're going to say. <laughs> well, look. I did not watch Blazing Saddles with you. You did not watch Dances with Wolves with me. Correct. But we did watch about 45 minutes, as you said before, of the Melissa McCarthy (laughs) movie, The Boss. Okay. So I'm just going to go through some scenes with Dances with Wolves and then read a quote that Carla said during The Boss. Oh, funny. You're funny. You're a genius. (laughs) You're the genius. (laughs) Uh. So there's a flashback to uh, Stands with a Fist, Mary McDonald's character, when she's a, a child. And we see her family getting slaughtered by the Pawnee. And then uh, she gets rescued by the Sioux. But Carla said, abandoned children are funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> because the boss is an orphan <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> And then, uh, Mary McDonald is trying to, uh, communicate, uh, she hasn't spoken the white man's language in, since she was a child. So she's trying to kind of like get it back and, uh, remember some of this language because she has to serve as translator because she's the only person who speaks any English. Right. Uh, in the tribe. And Carla said, she's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Though that might have been a reaction to Melissa McCarthy, uh, (laughs) Pratt falling. Um, <laughs> she's so flexible. Well, this, this is, uh, this is true for any movie that Carla watches. Uh, but she said it during the boss and I bet it totally applies to dances with wolves. This is having a hard time getting started, <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of true of the bosses. It feels like there's like five different beginnings yeah. to it. You know, she, she's like a, she's a billionaire in it. There's a lot going on in that movie. There's a lot going on. You know what movie I love that Melissa McCarthy's in? Spy. Oh, Spy is so funny. Yeah. I just wanted to okay. balance out my okay. Boss you don't want to. You don't want to find like sound like you're uh, harshing on. Uh, no, I love her. Double M. Yeah, she's real. She's real funny. Uh, and then uh, in reaction to uh, Kevin Costner, you said he's cute. I'd go with him. <laughs> Do you remember who you were really talking about? Um, oh, the coworker. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. There's a guy at her uh, office. Uh, or is this uh, who's in love with Kristen Bell in yeah. the movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This isn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> could be the boss. Could be Dances with Wolves. <laughs> this stopped getting funny once the Girl Scouts entered the picture. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Girl Scouts were the Sioux tribe. That's right. <laughs> uh, 
And then the uh, there's a, a horrible scene where the uh, the Sioux come across a bunch of buffalo that have been slaughtered and by the white people, and they've only taken their tongues, which are a delicacy, and their hides, you know, which you can you know, which to make fur coats out <sighs> of. But they left the rest of the buffalo rotting there, and the Native Americans famously. Use every part of the buffalo. Of course. Use every part of the buffalo. Uh, and Carla said, oh, no, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I would have said that yeah. for real. And then you said, Kristen Bell looks so bored. <laughs> <laughs> so I was she- talking about Kevin Costner. <laughs> <laughs> then when he does the buffalo hunt uh, with the tribe, uh, they rip the tongue out of the buffalo and take a bite out of it and give it to him to uh, to take a bite. No know. way. Yeah. I'm yeah. so glad I didn't watch That's what this. you do. You didn't want to see Kevin Costner biting into a raw buffalo tongue? Nope. All right. Well, I guess, you know, you do you, Carla. <laughs> Everybody's got their own thing, but... Uh, I love uh, I love some good old buffalo tongue. Gross. Yeah, I think I loved this movie at the time. I do uh, feel a little defensive toward it uh, because I think it kind of gets lumped in with those undeserving Best Picture winners, and it's quite good if you've got three or four hours <laughs> to spare. Um, but does it belong in Craig's list? I think it's borderline and I can't say that I like it as much as some of the borderline movies that I have genuine affection for. Like Young Frankenstein? Well, is Dance with Wolves better than Young Frankenstein? It might not be. I think Young Frankenstein might be better mm. than Dances with Wolves. But I, I specifically talking about movies that we've covered, uh, like I think Poltergeist, Dead Poet Society, Time Bandits, all those movies are more important to me mm-hmm. than Dances with Wolves. And I've already said that those movies may be coming out. So mm. I think the chances are that D2W is probably no longer on Craigslist. So Bye. It's because I didn't watch it with you. No. I, yep, that's what it is. You think I would have liked it more if you yeah, watched if, it with me? If I had really hated it and watched it, you would have loved it. <laughs> You've been like, it's going up on the list. <laughs> I will say, and I don't mean to, I am just teasing. I'm being playful in general, but I have noticed I'm not enjoying movies as much as normal. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like over the past couple of weeks, I've seriously thought to myself, I can't watch a movie. <laughs> Because movies feel like homework to you now? Yeah. Like, I think that's why I had a hard time settling in and watching any movie on my own this week. And then we went and saw Colossal, which I should have loved. And I was just like, bleh. I thought it was pretty pretty good. You didn't care for it, but you weren't expecting the movie that it became. Yeah. Let's not talk about it because it's too too soon. But I'm just using it as an example of something that it just, it feels hard to sit down and watch TV now watch movies in a way that it didn't before we started the list. (laughs) Well, I, uh, I apologize for removing all the joy from your life. Uh, yeah. Craig's listeners. If you are thinking of going to see Colossal, the new Anne Hathaway, Jason Sudeikis movie, I would say do your research, uh, and read reviews rather than watch the trailer. Because the trailer will give you a false impression as to what the movie ben is. Ben Acker loves the trailer. And he actually liked the movie more because of the trailer. Okay. So. 
Just go see the but movie. But he's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but he has a good argument for it. I'm sorry we're being so vague. I just don't want to spoil it for anyone. It's too soon. Let's stop talking about this one. I'm just let's get back to my original point, which was Okay, no no joy in your life. No joy in movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, we gotta do a little khaki theater. Okay. And so I will be Kevin Costner as Lieutenant John Dunbar, uh, <laughs> a.k.a. Dances with Wolves. Okay. You want to be Two Socks? I don't know. You tell me. Who should I be? I thought you would be Madeline Kahn oh, from right. Blazing right, Saddles. Right, 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 Yeah. Okay. Oh, wait. How does, she, how does she talk again? She talks funny. Oh, no. I can't remember. Oh, well. I'll make it up. Okay. Well, hello there, Mr. Wolves. Please call me Lieutenant Dunbar. I am only known as Dances with Wolves to my friends in the Lakota Sioux. Your hair. Wow. Quite the it's, 90s metal bands, huh, Mr. Dunbar? It's very feathered and luxurious, yes. I want to put my fingers through it. Uh, I'm just here in town to pick up some provisions. I have some provisions for you right here under my dress. Okay, that's an odd place to put them. Uh, what what do you have? Well, I have some cupcakes and some buns. I'm looking for some salt to preserve this buffalo tongue. I have a buffalo tongue. <laughs> I use every part of the buffalo. Wow, I do too. I love every single part. We call it a Tatanka, however. Tatanka tonk tonk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> Is that Carla? So tired. <laughs> That's just Carla as Carla now. <laughs> that was a pretty good impression. That was really good. Who knew? Okay, well. I'm a genius. <laughs> I do think of you as the Madeline Kahn for our times. <laughs> oh, my God. I've never loved you more. We got to watch What's Up, Doc. That would be on my list. My top 25, probably. I would love to see it. It's it's so uh, it's Peter Bogdanovich, right? And Barbara Streisand and Hottie Patati from Love Story. Ryan O'Neal. Yeah. And I Madeline Kahn. So I good. I don't think I've seen it. I do, I've definitely seen Paper Moon. I've never seen that one. Uh, with it, which is Ryan O'Neill and Tatum O'Neill that she won the Oscar for, and that's Peter Bogdanovich. I want to watch every single thing that Madeline Kahn ever did. Okay. Because I know Clue. Well, then you got to watch uh, Cosby. I did watch Cosby when it was on the air because of her. <laughs> okay. And then she passed away. It was so sad. Yeah, she died young. She died really young. She died, I think, when they were filming that, right? When they were filming that Cosby show? The second one? Yeah. The one she, in the late 90s? Yeah, she might have, yeah. <sighs> Sorry to end on such a sad <laughs> note. I love her so much. Well, Carla, uh, you've taken a pass on a four-hour movie. And our movie for next week is also one of the longest movies that Hollywood <laughs> ever did. It's just shy of four hours. Oh. And it is the best picture winner of 1939. And oh, I know what it is. This movie was directed by Victor Fleming. It stars Vivian Lee and Clark Gable. As Scarlett O'Hara. And it's called Red Clark Gable Red. as Scarlett O'Hara. 
And Rhett Butler. And Rhett Butler. And it is called Gone with the Wind. <sighs> I like that movie so much. You like it a lot? I've seen it a lot. Okay. I've probably seen the full thing five or six times. Wow. Maybe. Okay. And it, and probably parts of it more than that. You ready to get cracking through it again? Yeah, I might not watch all of it again because I know this movie pretty well, but okay. I'll watch the first, whatever I have to watch, an hour of it, I guess. And uh, we also have a guest joining us next week. And it's Ms. Jen Kelly. Yay! And uh, she's from the South. She's, she's going to have opinions on Gone with the Wind. She is. Well, she's from Florida. <laughs> That's the South? It is. Very close to Georgia. She, she does but have Florida little, is its own country. Jen Kelly has a little bit of a twang. Yes, she's she does. from Florida. It's confusing. Yeah. But it is the South. You're right. It shouldn't be confusing. And Gone with the Wind, of course, is a biting racial satire too, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. There's some kind of weird stuff. Well, we'll be addressing that. <laughs> uh, so Craig's listeners, please uh, tune in next week for number 71 on Craig's list. You didn't say what my letter grade was. Oh, <laughs> Carla, <laughs> would you like to give a letter grade to Dances with Wolves? Um... I will Just give based it on my description of it? A C minus. C minus. What does that stand for? Because they killed the wolf. And your letter grade for Blazing Saddles? A. A. A minus. A minus. Okay. What does that stand for? Um, Almost too, uh, too, what's the word? Too many bad words. Almost too many bad words. <laughs> almost too many bad words. Okay. <laughs> I'm a child. <laughs> As always, tweet at us at Craigslist PCAST. Uh, <laughs> let us know what, uh, what you think of Blazing Saddles and, uh, Gone with the Wind and Dances with Wolves and, uh, any movie that's out there, Colossal. Young Frankenstein. L- let us know what you think of The Boss. The Boss. Uh, leave Colossal. us a review on iTunes and all that good stuff. We're now on Stitcher. You can listen to us there. You can listen to us on SoundCloud. And, uh, we will be back next week with Gone with the Wind. The list is an absolute good. The list is life. <laughs>